Yes, indeed. He is the one that we praise. He is the one that we adore. He's the one that gives healing. Man, so so many things for us to be grateful for as we think about our God and what he's done for us. He's given so much to us. He's been so gracious and merciful to us. It's, it's really awe-inspiring. It's amazing. I mean, we tend to overuse the word amazing, but when you look at God and who he is and, and what he's done, that is truly amazing. When, when you think about everything that's done, and I don't know about you, but when I, I think about what I would have done or, or what I could do, man, it just it falls short. It's, it's, it's insignificant compared to who God is and what he's done for his people. That's why we're here. That's why we come together. That's why we get together to worship, to give them him the recognition that he rightly deserves. A God that, that did everything, who spoke in the universe, leapt in, into existence, who knitted you together in your mother's womb. The one who cares for you, the one who loves you. The one who takes care of you, picks you up when you fall down. Amazing. He is the one. Man, it's so good, so good. We're going to uh, complete our series this morning on I am a church member. And I'm going to apologize. We're going to bounce around a lot of different places. we got Ephesians uh, here on the screen, but we're going to be in Romans, going to be in Ephesians. So um, if you got some pen and pad, today is the one where you're going to have to want to write down these, these scripture references and go review them uh, this, this afternoon because we're, we're going to get in it. We're going to go through the scripture and really look at what God has to say to us. Because the series about being a church member, again, I, I, it was important because I think we have the wrong idea oftentimes. We have the wrong thought of what it means to be a church member. And we talked about, when we started this, we talked about belonging. You know, uh, there's a lot of organizations, and, and, and I grew up in the, the height of gang culture. And one of the things that gangs provided to the community was belonging where kids were at home, maybe their parents worked multiple jobs, or maybe they only had one parent, and they didn't have any connection. They were looking and longing for uh, being a part of a group of people who cared for them and loved them, and they weren't finding it at home. And so they would go out and they would find it elsewhere. They would find it in, in gangs or other organizations because they wanted the sense of belonging. And this is where the church has fallen to the wayside. We've become more, by and large, about entertainment than we have about truly what we are brought here for. We live in a day and an age where church membership is often looked uh, at like a country club. And we're, we're all uh, have different economic backgrounds, but some of you that are well off know about country clubs. And if you pay uh, an extra fee, you live in a certain neighborhood, then you afford it to some of uh, some more nice things, some amenities that, um, that that you can afford to take care of. Uh, folks, they, they attend church these days just like a country club and they attend so they can see what they can get out of it instead of what they put into it. 
if you live in a community, some of us do live in a community where there's a clubhouse, there's some perks that come along with with that. So whether it's a country club or a clubhouse, there you might have a pool that the, you and the kids can use in the, the summer times. There's some a workout facility, maybe some meeting space, or even a golf course that you're able to take in. So it's, it's not private, but not everybody can go play there, right, if you're a golfer. And it's a little different here in Bolingbrook where we have many of these type of amenities provided by the village that are open to the residents. But in other areas, you can pay an extra fee to get access to additional features. And uh, some people are like, I'm just going to go to the clubhouse and just hang out there. We got the workout facilities. I don't have to go to Lifetime Fitness or anything. Uh, this is for common people to go to Lifetime. I got my own thing here in the neighborhood but you pay an extra fee in order to have access to things like this. You, um, you can have just about anything in this world if you pay just enough. You pay a little bit more, you can tend to get access to a little bit more. American Express used to have a commercial that where the slogan says membership has its privileges. And so that's what the confusion comes in when we think about church membership. We confuse it with all these other types of things that you might have membership to. We have the same view of church. Instead, um, when we go to church and we go church hopping or we're investigating some churches, we might walk in and, and say, okay, this church has the music I like. Check. This is good. This, this, this is my work. This place has uh, a place for my children to run around. Check. Okay, this, this is good. Well, the preacher doesn't preach too long. I can get out of here and see the game, you know, before, when it starts. Check. We're looking for all these things that serve us, that make us comfortable instead of what should truly matter to us as we look at church, the local church, and, and, and look to see what it has to offer. For many people, church membership is about receiving instead of giving. Church membership is about being served instead of serving. Church membership for some people is about what their rights are instead of what their responsibilities are. Some people look at church and they think about uh, their entitlement instead of their sacrifices. And like anything else, they, they look at their tithes and offering and look at that as paying membership dues instead of giving generosity, generously and cheerfully. Brothers and sisters, I'm telling you, we've got the wrong idea. We've got the wrong view of what church is and what it should be. As a reminder, in the Bible, when we see the word church or ecclesia in the Greek, is defined as an assembly or called out ones. And it refers to a people and not a building. So we, we talk about going to church and coming to church. We're most of us are talking about the building that we go into, but biblically, the church is God's people. It's the body of believers that make up the church. The local church, like we have here at First Baptist Bolingbrook, is a, a gathering of people who have put their faith in Christ and who also encourage, they teach, they, they build up, 
each other in the knowledge and grace of the Lord as we see outlined in 1 Corinthians 12. That's the goal of the local church. That's why we're here. That's why we get together. But before we come, become body of believers, we need to first acknowledge that, that we're broken, that, that we're not perfect. And not only are we broken, but we are all in need of a Savior. We all need Jesus. And we like to point the finger, oh, they need, they need Jesus. <laughs> they're, they're just going out of, out of, off the rails. They're wilding out. They, they need Jesus. But brothers and sisters, you need Jesus too. You, you might not be wilding out in the same way they are, but I'm sure you're falling just as much. And when we talk about falling, we, we use this word called sin. And I think that well, we've gotten so far that we, we really don't even understand what sin is anymore. And because the world is telling us that things are acceptable these days that the Bible calls sin. So I want to pull us back. I want us to understand what sin is. God is the lawgiver, and we're all lawbreakers. Let's get that right first. We're all lawbreakers. Any violation of God's law is called sin right? First John 3 and 4 says, everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. And let me tell you, there's 613 laws. And I'm sure all of you have them all written out and carry them around in your pocket and your purse, right? And you're making sure by the letter of the law that you don't cross any of those lines, right? Because you all are good saints. So you, you, you want to make sure that you're following and abiding by God's law, right? Um, maybe. Each of us has a sin nature that continuously leads us to sin. Now, you might be tempted to think you're a good person. I love you guys. I love spending time with you. I love fellowshipping with you. And, I mean, you're doing the best you can. But in comparison to God's law, you're not a good person. That seems weird to, to say. It sounds probably sounds weird to hear because we like to, we like to think, oh, I'll do well. I mean, I haven't murdered anybody this week. Okay, well, how are you doing on the other 612 laws? How are you measuring up to that standard? When I, was, when I was a kid, we had a, a basketball goal in the back of my house. Man, I love this. Um, I'm, I, I have no basketball skills, but I enjoyed going out and shooting. And, you know, I, it was the height of, you know, even though I wasn't, I'm not from Chicago, it was the height of Michael Jordan and the Bulls doing the thing that they did. And everybody wanted to be like Mike, right? They wanted to go out and dunk the ball. I wouldn't dunk too, but I'm kind of uh, vertically challenged. And so I had to adjust the rim so that I can go and be able to get the ball up and be able to dunk. I had to adjust the standard in order for me to uh, uh, try to play like I was something like Michael Jordan. And that's what we tend to do as Christians. Well, we, we want to uh, live by a certain level, but we know we can't live up to it, so we want to adjust the standards and, and pull them down to what our height is so that maybe we can look good. But that's not how it works. If, if I was going to gonna go and play in the league or something like that, they're not going to adjust that hoop for me. I would get dunked on. <laughs> I would get pushed and fouled out. 
I would not measure up to what the NBA expects of his players. Here we are as Christians. And we try to lower those standards, but the standard is what God sets for us. And that's what we should be striving for. You might, um, uh, people might tell you, well, you know, okay, fine. you're, You're not a good person, but maybe you mean well. You're doing the best you can. God knows your heart. So they pat you on the head and like, just do the best you can. God knows your heart. And they say this as if it should be comforting. God knows your heart. Don't don't worry about it. But Jeremiah 17 and 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? All of a sudden, God knows your heart is not so comforting. God knowing your heart is putting you into further doom because stuff might not come out of your mouth, but you're thinking into your mind is coming from your heart. And God knows it. God hears it. God sees it. So God, know, you don't, God knowing your heart is not comforting. That, that should not make you feel good. Psalm 14, 2 and 3 says, The Lord looks down from heaven on children of man to see if there are any who understand it, who seek God. They're, they're, they have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is no one who does good. Not even one. No one who does good. Even on your best day, as much as you'd like to try, we still don't measure up to God's expectations. Romans 3 and 23, for we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Remember, God has this standard. And it doesn't move. And try as we might, and we should try to live up to the standard as best we can. But unfortunately, we're always going to fall short. And because we do, because we fall short, the consequences of that sin, the consequences of that lawlessness, of transgressing God's law, the, 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 the consequence is death. That's what we deserve when we break the law. We, we don't uh, go to jail. Uh, we don't get put in timeout. The consequences of breaking those laws is death. Romans 6 and 23 tells us, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We deserve death, but instead we get a gift. And we're going to unravel what that gift looks like for us. The punishment that we have earned is eternal death right? Because we're all lawbreakers, we're all broken, and we, we, we deserve death. So fortunately, we serve a God who's gracious. We, we serve a God who is merciful. Second Corinthians 5 and 21 says, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Man, if you, if you are uh, uh, intent on memorizing Scripture, man, this is the one to have in your pocket at all times. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Romans 5 and 8 
says God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, while we were still lawbreakers, while we were still messing up, while we still were not in our right mind, Christ died for us. Knowing how wretched we would be, Christ still gave up his life for us. Jesus died for you and paid the price for your sins. Right? What you deserve, what we deserve is death. But we have this free gift in Christ where he gave up his life and paid that penalty for you. Wiped your slate clean. Acts 3 and 19 says, Repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. That when you decide to follow Jesus, your slate is wiped clean. Man, wouldn't it be something if we were to, to go and, and I don't know about you, they keep sending me bills to my house every month. I, I keep paying them, they still keep coming. It's frustrating. Every single, every single month we keep getting these bills and they keep paying them. But wouldn't it be something if, if they sent you an invoice and it says zero? If somebody paid your water bill for you, we got some high water bills in Bolingbrook. Wouldn't it be something somebody paid that for you, your electricity, your cable, your phone. You just wiped it clean. That'll get you by. But what Jesus did, what you rightly deserve, is your, your life ended because of your lawlessness. But instead, Christ gave up his life for you. Wiped your slate clean. All the, all the laws that you've broken, blotted out, taken care of, wiped clean, put to zero. Isn't that amazing? When I talk about amazing, that's what, that's what I'm talking about. That's what's truly amazing. Romans 10 and 9 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. We, we try to make it hard, but it's not hard. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It sounds clear cut to me. Why isn't everybody doing this? Why doesn't everybody follow Jesus? Because they, they want to, to think about it and philosophize about all this stuff. I don't need to be saved. Saved from what? I'm good. I'm a good person. I do all right. What do I need to be saved from? Well, You'll be saved from the wrath of God and eternal death. That's what we're saved from. Because that judgment day is coming. Believe it or not. You can choose not to believe, but uh, that doesn't make it any more that it's going to happen, right? You you can choose not to believe the the speed limits when you go down 55. But I tell you what, if if a cop sees you going 100, down Highway 55, you, you, can't play, you can't say, well, I didn't know. I, I don't believe in the speed limit. The speed limit doesn't apply to me. I got somewhere to go. He's going to say, no, you, you, you got to follow the law. So when we say, what are we being saved from? We're being saved from the, the wrath of God and eternal death. But all you have to do is believe in him, trust in the, Christ's death, 
and trust in that death as payment for your sins and you will be saved. Man, it sounds pretty clear cut. It sounds pretty straightforward to me. Romans 10 and 13 says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. who's, Who's ready? Who's ready to call on the name of the Lord? Who's already done so and just walking and, and walking, walking with him and, and cherishing everything that he's done for you? And maybe if you're here today and haven't yet made that decision, I hope by the end of this that you will be convinced that you will be encouraged to call on his name. Romans 5 and 1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through Lord Jesus Christ. We are no longer enemies of God. But as we'll see later, we're grafted into his family for eternity. Romans 5 and 1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And then Romans 8 and 1 is, Therefore, now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You will no longer be condemned. Right, because we're all lawbreakers. We, we all fall short of, of, of God's law. And, and try as we might, we can't live up to it. And try as hard as we can, we, we just can't abide by all of God's laws and his high standard. And so we have a sacrifice in Christ Jesus who did it for us, who paid the price on our behalf. And because of that, there is no condemnation for those who follow him. Brothers and sisters, this is all a gift. This is all a gift from God. When you repent, uh, is a churchy word that, that we use. We've seen in the Bible, repent just simply means turn away, uh, go, go the other way, change your mind. When we do this, when we repent from our sins and place our faith in Jesus, you will, will receive the gift of salvation. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 spells this out for us very clearly. It says, by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God. Not as a result of works. Why? So that no one would boast. Because we, we, we want to put, we want to think of everything in a line. Like I did more than that guy. I should be in front. I should get in the front of the line, right? I should bypass the, the line. Because <laughs> I was that good. No, no. No, you weren't. It, you would think, oh, I did so much. I did so much good. Look at all the money I gave to the United Way. Man, I go to feed my starving children twice a year. I, I mean, come on, give me some credit. Wouldn't we? We'd want to put those things in front as if we're going to earn our way, as if we were earn our salvation. But that's not how it works in God's economy. God gives us this as a gift. We become Christians through God's unmerited favor, and it's not because of our own efforts or our own abilities or even our intelligence. It's all a gift. There is nothing that you can do to earn salvation through your own works. Nothing. Nothing at all. 
But if you think, if you think, well, I'm just going to try it out. I mean, it doesn't hurt, right? I'm just going to do it as, as much as I can. That's got to be worth something, right? I, I got to be able to earn my way. Well, Isaiah 64 and 6 says it this way. We have all become like the one who is unclean, and all of our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. I won't go into the specifically what that means, but it means dirty rags, filthy, dirty rags. It says, we all fade like a leaf and in our iniquities, like the wind, take us away. Even on your best day, your, your righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. Hope you're not getting depressed. Like, oh my goodness, it's just beating us up today. Man, I, I came in feeling good. Thought I was doing all right. Pastor, tell me I ain't no good. However, it's out of our gratitude for what God has done that we we seek to help and serve others with kindness, love, and gentleness. It's like we pay it forward in a sense. You know, I love my wife. We've been together for a really long time, and I like to do nice things for her. Um, those nice things that I do um, is not so that she can love me more because she, she loves me already. I think, at least I think so. So though those, those things that I do, maybe I give her some gifts. Maybe I, I do some, some extra chores or I take her out to dinner or whatever case may be is not so that I can add more to my account so that she would love me more because she already does. And, and because she does, and because of the way in which she loves me, it compels me to want to do more for her. That's how we look at what God has done for us. He's given us this gift. He's been so good to us that we are compelled to do what he's called us to do, to, to love others and to love him. Do us what he called us to do. Do what's right. But we're not earning his favor. It's the least that we can do. Literally, Jesus Christ died for you. He gave up his life. Jesus Christ gave up everything so that you can have eternal life. The least you can do is love your neighbor. The least you can do is give generously. What you got don't belong to you anyway. God has given you these things so that you can be a steward over them He's blessed you so that he, you can bless somebody else. That's the least that you can do. But brothers and sisters, not only is salvation a gift, but God didn't leave you out here to fend for yourself and figure it all out on your own. This is not a Lone Ranger Christianity. No, you've been adopted into the family of God. When I call you brothers and sisters, it's not just something I say. It's something I believe that we're not like family. We are family. And some of y'all got some jacked up families, but this is different. Because God has adopted us into his family. Yeah, we're going to have some, some spats and conflicts and, and things of that nature. We might not even love each other. It would be hard for us to love each other all the time. But I tell you what, because of what Jesus did, we're bound together by his blood. 
He grafted into his family. Galatians 4 and 4 says, uh, When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit his, of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so that you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. An heir. Ooh, that sounds cool. I don't, I don't know if you, you come from families that got money, but, you know, being an heir means you're going to have some things passed down to you. You're going to get this inheritance that come and maybe it's a plot of land, maybe some, maybe it's some money, but I tell you what, it, it pales in comparison to being an heir to God the Father. Being, being, being with Jesus, the King. Wow. Not everybody can say that. When we come to Jesus, our debt is canceled. We're given a new name and we become heirs to God's kingdom. You can't tell me nothing. I'm, whew, man, you might be able to walk around with a swagger now. Like, you know I'm an heir to the king? Right? Take this seriously. This is all a gift to us, the salvation. But again, we're not long ranger Christians, right? He brought us together as a body of believers. This too is a gift. Because I don't know about you, I, I, I don't always have it together. I'm not always strong. And sometimes I need somebody to come alongside me and to help me out, to, to encourage me. You know, when I think this stuff is just messed up and I, I don't know what I'm doing, and I don't know where I'm, I'm going to go. I need somebody to come alongside me and, and, and remind me of God's truth. Remind me of, of who God said that I am, not who I think I am but who God said I am and what he's called me to do. You need that too. I know sometimes it's, it's a struggle to go through this life. That these challenges come at you one thing after another and you just wonder like, how am I just going to get by? How am I going to get to tomorrow? This economy is all crazy and out of whack. People are losing their jobs. Inflation is going up. Where am I going to turn? We need each other as brothers and sisters, as a body of believers, to walk alongside one another for that encouragement, for that strength. That's, that's the, the good side of the coin. The uncomfortable side of the coin is, you know, sometimes, sometimes y'all, you know, want to adjust that standard. And we need God's people to walk alongside you. It's like, hey, hey brother, sister, like a, you know, I saw these things going on. I saw you acting this way, or I saw you saying these type of things that are not of God. God called you to be more. You know, you shouldn't be going around, you know, stealing things and taking things out. It might be, we call these these little white lies and things like that, but sin is sin. We need to be calling each other out, holding each other accountable. And that, that's a little more uncomfortable. Like, I don't want you all in my business holding me accountable. But that's how we grow. That's how we uh, get refined 
and, and we start to, to see what God has called us to and called us to be. And let me tell you something, when you beat up some of that sin, you get some of it out of your life, you actually turn away from it, the joy that you feel, the satisfaction that you feel is, is awesome. It's amazing. But then you can go and share that with somebody else who might be going through similar things as you and be a blessing to them. That's what a, that accountability gets for us. You see, when we come to Jesus, like remember, we're lawbreakers. None of us are good. Our flesh is just is like that. We just have a tendency to want to sin and sin over and over again. We can't live up to God's standard, but God sent his son who lived by that standard perfectly and did so on your behalf and gave up his life so that you can have eternity with him. So when we come to Jesus, our debt is canceled. This local church is a gift for us. It's it's a gift that should be treasured. It's a gift that should be anticipated. It's a gift that should be enjoyed. So when we talk about coming to worship, coming to, to worship together, it's because it's a gift. And as much as I love technology, I'm a tech guy. I love the gadgets. I love everything that we're able to do. But even being online is not a substitute for being physically present with brothers and sisters in Christ. I understand that folks, I mean, they're sick and shut in. We've always had folks like that. There are folks out of town and maybe haven't found a local church and and things of that nature. But I can't overly stress the importance of being in in physical connection with brothers and sisters in Christ because that's when the, the growth and the accountability and all this other stuff happens. You know, you just can't, you can't get a hug, a virtual hug, right? Try as you might. And I've built a lot of relationships with folks on the internet that I've never met in person and we're friends, but it's not the same. So I urge you, if you're able, if you're online with us today, if you're able, you're in a Bolingbrook area, I want to welcome you to come and worship with us in person. Make every effort because it's, it's that important. It is a gift. And we know what it feels like when you, when you give somebody a gift and they don't use it. They, they, some of us might experience this in a couple of weeks. You give somebody a gift and they open it up like, oh, thanks. Wow. You shouldn't have. <laughs> we all know that feeling. But God has given us this gift of the local church. And we're like, ah, I'll get there next week. Uh, maybe maybe next month. No, they'll, they'll be there. I'll be fine. It's okay. I'll catch them online. I'll catch the podcast. That's, that's good, but it's not the best. That's not ideal. 1 Corinthians 12 and 27 says, Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, and then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, ministering, and various kinds of tongues. All this stuff happens in the context of a local church that we miss out online. Frankly, some of us miss out on it in person as well. Have you seen... Some of these infomercials that, that come on where they talk about this new gadget, like it's just the best thing ever. 
Like you, your life will not be the same until you get this particular gadget. This this new gadget that slices and dices and makes bread. It, it'll it'll make your bed for you to clean your sheets. It do everything for you and, and all these other the tons of stuff that you've never dreamt of. You seen these infomercials? I was talking with my parents and they got this ninja. They're telling me all this, the things that it does. And I looked it up, man. It's it's incredible. This ninja thing, man. It's man. You talk. I mean, I, I talk about overusing the word awesome, but man, this this thing does does a lot of things. It does. It's a ninja thing. It's, it's a pressure cooker. It's a, it's a crisper. You use like an oven. You can use like an air fryer. But there's more. It, it can broil. It can, it can roast. It can dehydrate it. Uh, the, they're not done yet. You can sear. It can saute. It can steam. It can sous vide. It can slow cook. It can make yogurt. Cook, make, uh, keep the food warm for you. I didn't even know I needed all those things. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. And if, if you watch this infomercial or anything like it, you'll be captivated by its features and functionality. Like, oh my goodness, wow, I, I can't believe it does that stuff. Like, I don't even eat yogurt, but man, if, if I wanted to, I could make it. Midway through, you think, I got to have this. Like, I would be dumb not to buy it, right? I need, what's the number? What's, what's the website? Maybe I need to buy one of these. And then you might start thinking, well, Christmas is coming up. Maybe I should buy a few of them. Maybe I should get one for, you know, everybody in the family so they can have all these things, right? You, you, you would start to feel dumb if you don't take advantage of this. But we watch these, these infomercials and see these different products. And all this stuff is cool, but it pales in comparison to what we get from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It is nothing like it. The gift that we have for Jesus is, is just on another level compared to everything else. Now, when we, when we think about it, I mean, being, being lawbreakers, right? We're all lawbreakers. We don't, we don't measure up to God's perfect standard. We continuously fall short. And so God sent his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have life that is everlasting. Who wiped your slate clean, right? So we know that we've been saved uh, from our, our guilt and shame, but some of you have also been free from alcoholism, drugs, and other addictions. For others, he's freed you from cancer, heart disease, other ailments. Maybe he's freed you from depression, loneliness, anxiety, self-harm. But wait, there's more. Many people have been free from guilt, suffering, sadness, self-doubt, judgment, shame. But that's not all. Now that you are with Christ and experience him, now you can experience real lasting peace, everlasting joy, empowerment over sin, abundant life, healing, intimacy with God, Christ interceding from you, and the Holy Spirit helping you out when you're weak. But wait a minute, I'm not done yet. You also get Christ's righteousness. You get overwhelming victory through Christ. You get abounding love from the Father. You get a God who is for you that nobody can stand against. You get adoption into his family. You get a priceless inheritance. And there's much, much more. There's so much more. All you need to do is come to him. All you need to do 
is call on his name. How much do you think this is worth? All those things I just outlined to you. How, how much do you think it's worth? How much would you pay for all of this? Would you pay $100 million if you had it? Would you pay a, a million dollars? I know some of us ain't got it like that. I mean, would you pay as mu- everything out from your bank account? Would you pay that? But all of these things I just described that we receive as a free gift from Christ, all of it is priceless. As a matter of fact, it costs Jesus everything. It costs you nothing. No amount of money, no amount of work, no amount of effort can pay for what Jesus freely gives. Brothers and sisters, if you choose to follow Jesus today, you can have all that I just described and so much more. It will cost you nothing. Your debt has already been paid. And the only thing that he asks is what we talked about from Romans 10 and 9. All you have to do is confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. Jesus paid it all. What's it worth to you? So if you're here under the sound of my voice today and you have not chosen to submit your life to Christ, today's the day. Now's the time. Make the choice of whom you will serve. Uh, uh, A non-decision is a decision. So if you say, well, I, I'm, I'm going to maybe I'll think about it later. Later might not come. I'm not trying to scare you into the kingdom, but it's just facts. You have to make a decision. You've got to be an action taker. You've got to choose to follow Christ. He's called you to much more than than what you you are are seeing and living for today. And what you gain as a free gift is so far more than what you can ever ask, ask or dream or imagine. I guarantee that. So if you, you're here today and you haven't made the decision, I urge you to do so today. And I'm here to, to walk with you. There's brothers and sisters here. Like, again, that's what the local church is for, so that we can walk with one another. You're not alone. We, he brought us together so that we would be able to support and encourage one another. That's why the local church is so important. Or maybe you're here today and you've fallen Christ your whole life, but, man, it just... It doesn't seem to be the same. Kind of dialed it back. Maybe you've adjusted that that goal. And you need to recommit yourself to him. You need some help and encouragement from brothers and sisters here today. I encourage you to do so. Don't walk out of here without 
talking to me or talking to somebody else here, like, I just need somebody to be praying for me. Or, you know, I, I I'm, haven't been good about my, my Bible reading. I mean, can we just get together for 15 minutes a day and just read together? I mean, I just need some help. I got these struggles that are going on here at work. Can I, can I just bend your ear a little bit? That's what, we're, that's what we're here for. And it might be hard, it might be uncomfortable to be vulnerable in that way, but I'll tell you what, to come out on the other side is a great joy and pleasure. Don't leave here today without being changed, without making a decision to follow Christ, because he paid it all for you. Let's pray. Lord God, how humbling this is that you've laid this all out for us. That as wretched as the people that we are, that you still love us, even when we're not lovable. Even knowing how much we're going to fall and, and choose our own path, and you just sometimes got to pick us by, up by our neck and, and put us back on the right path. Father, thank you. And Father, put, thank you for putting us together, uh, into uh, grafting us into your family, putting us together as a body of believers so that we can walk alongside one another. We can know that we're, we're not in this alone, that we're not this, this snowflake that is unlike anybody else, that you've put people around us that can that bend down the road that we've been, that has the, the challenges that we now have, that can walk with us through so that we can live our lives for you. Thank you so much. Father, as this local body of believers here in Bolingbrook, Father, just continue to use us, shape us, mold us into what you would have us to be. Help us to be that beacon of light on the hill so that the, the community would be able to see us and know us and, and be able to, to know we do the things we do because of who you are and what you've done. Father, everything that we do be driven by the fact that you love us and that you've called us not only to love you, but to also to love our neighbor. Help us to live that out. Help us to be a blessing to others just as you have been to us. Help us to extend this gift that you've freely given to us and be able to showcase it to others that they can have that same free gift. They don't have to be on this hamster wheel going through life and struggling in the way that they have. That They can turn to you, that you die for them as well that you've wiped their slate clean and that you have grafted them into your family as well. Father, help us to live out your word. Put all these things to the side and be fervent about who we are because of you. And we thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.